Hello. Someone asked me at the door this morning, are you all ready for Christmas? And I went, oh, no. I think I bought one present off the internet, and uh, I have a lot to do this week. No Christmas, Sam's come to stay. No Christmas decorations up, are there? No. I'm feeling bar humbug. But anyway, uh, not really. I thought we'd have a little, little quiz tonight. How's that for you? What was that? An oh, no. Not passing the scissors, not tonight. Uh, I thought you can either do this on your own or if you can find someone to do it with so that if you get it wrong, you, you can blame the other person, basically. It's a Christmas quiz. You're filled with awe and excitement, aren't you? It's a true or false. It's not difficult. True or false? True or false? Sorry? True or false. Have you found the person if you want to play in pairs? Yeah, Ruth, you're up for the... Look, you've got your glasses out and everything, haven't you? All uh, ready to go. So, true or false? So we're going to just call them out, uh, So, or hands up of those. Uh, so is this true or false? There, uh, there are no records of Joseph speaking in the Christmas story. True or false? There are no records of Joseph speaking in the Christmas story. True or false? True. Hands up, true. They're all going to follow the, the, uh, the minister. <laughs> <laughs> hands up, false. Everyone's shut. Uh, it's true. There are no records yes. of Joseph <laughs> Um, The wise men were three kings from the Orient. True or false? Some good people think about it, you know. We should have buzzers, shouldn't we? It is actually false. There's no mention of the number of wise men, only the number of gifts. Could be three, but we don't know. Gold's heavy, it might need two. Who knows? Uh, Is this true or false? The little drummer boy came to the manger after the shepherds. True or false? <laughs> Hands up true? Hands up false. Repeat the question. The question was, the little drummer boy came to the manger after the shepherds. Oh, it would be nice, wouldn't it? It would be nice. It is false. It is false. The date of Jesus' birth is noted in the book of Matthew in the New Testament. True or false? The date of Jesus' birth is noted in the book of Matthew in the New Testament. True or false? False. Doesn't tell us anywhere. Jesus' ancestors included a prostitute, an adulterer, and a woman who committed incest, and a non-Jewish person. True or false? True. Good, you know your Christmas story. Here's one then. True or false? The angel Gabriel appeared to Mary first, and then he appeared to Joseph. True or false? Oh, a bit of, oh, a bit of discussion. I'll read the question again. The the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary first, and then he appeared to Joseph. Hands up true. Hands up false. It's false. The angel Gabriel appeared to Mary, but an unnamed angel. (laughs) 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 Benefit of the doubt on the front row here. Mary rode on a donkey from Nazareth to Bethlehem. True or false? False. Ruth, what do you say? Mary rode a donkey from Nazareth to Bethlehem. True or false? Time's out. Time's out. Is it a trick question? Well, it's true or false, so yes, it is a trick question. There is no donkey mentioned in the Bible. Yeah. 
no donkeys mentioned. There is a donkey for Jesus going into Jerusalem, but not on the way for Mary to... Yeah, I have to reread it. It's amazing what we take for granted. Where am I? Are you enjoying this quiz? You can, adm- you can amaze your Christmas dinner guest. <laughs> Nicky's thinking, how long is it going to go on? <laughs> you can amaze your Christmas dinner guest with the facts and trivia. You can have this yourself. Um, tr- is this true or false? Joseph and Mary went to Bethlehem because of a decree by Caesar Augustus. True. true. Correct. That was easy. F- true or false? The wise men followed a star as it moved from their eastern land to Israel. Oh, it's a thoughtful one. Do you know the really, the really, really adept one to be whipping out the Bibles and having a quick... Uh, it's actually false. The question, the wise man followed a star as it moved from their eastern land. Is they saw a star and journeyed. The star, there's no record of the star moving. It did. Uh, true or false? The wise men did not arrive on the night of Jesus' birth. True or false? True. They could have appeared up to two years later when Jesus was two years old. <laughs> Sorry? Okay, this, this is, I like this question. Uh, God sent a choir of chubby angels to announce Jesus' birth to the shepherds. <laughs> well, how else? Look at your Christmas cards. I bet you've got chubby angels on your Christmas card, haven't you? Like that, Nikki, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, you did, you did. <laughs> you were just doing a face, were you? <laughs> no, like that comma, Nikki. Punctuation's really important. Uh, true or false? It's false. They were, a mighty, they were mighty angels. They're not, not, yeah, don't mesh with them. True or false? Shepherding was considered a very noble occupation. It is false. They were richly unclean. True or false? Both Joseph and Mary were told that the baby was to be named Jesus. Sorry? They both, they need to get other names, but it is true that both Joseph and Mary were told. We could write papers on this, couldn't we? Um, true or false? When Herod heard about, Je- that, about Jesus, he was the only one concerned about this new king. True or false? When Herod heard about Jesus, he was the only one concerned about this new king. True or false? Henry, what do you reckon? When Herod heard about Jesus, he was the only one concerned about this new king. It is false. It is false. The whole of Jerusalem was in, uh, it was disturbed by Herod's distress. So they were all there. Uh, true or false? The wise men found Jesus lying in a manger in the town of Bethlehem. It is false. It is they found him in a house. Found him in a house. Do you, have you had enough, John? A few more? Nearly done. Keep going. Okay. <laughs> True or false? After the angel's announcement, the shepherds went straight to Bethlehem to see Jesus. You're all doubting now, aren't you? Thinking, is it, what do we believe about this? <laughs> Everything that we believe is no donkeys or anything. 
Uh, it is true that shepherds went straight to Bethlehem after they were announced. Uh, this is your penultimate question. Uh, the Magi brought gifts to Jesus, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. True or false? True. And the last one. Some of the shepherds doubted and refused to believe the message they heard from the angels. True or false? It's false. We're not, uh, they, we're not told. Uh, the scripture says they all went. None of them were like, oh, I'm not going to follow those angels. They're just fictitious. Say again. Thank you. <laughs> I want to... Uh, the reason I wanted to do that quiz is a little bit of fun. It's Christmas, isn't it? We have some fun. And also just to... To kind of make the point that the point of Christmas gets missed, that it's kind of got all this stuff and all the songs and the, the things you hear in the shops and the car- even some of the carols that we sing. You know, that, someone points out, you know, this, the carol, Oh, come all ye faithful. It's actually slightly, it's not kind of true, is it? That Jesus said, he came for the unfaithful. That we've become so familiar with Christmas that we sometimes miss the astounding truth of what happened. And I just want to, to pick out two. So turn in, in the scriptures, please, to uh, Luke chapter 1. I encourage you to read it carefully again. And uh, you The story of the Magi isn't in Luke's gospel at all. It's in Matthew. So chapter 1, verse 5. In the time of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah and his wife Elizabeth, who was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well along in years. The Bible's polite sometimes. They were both well along in years. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time of the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him. Don't know if it's Gabriel or not, Phil. Ah, okay. (laughs) Holding is in suspense. You you spoilt it. (laughs) Busy one that Gabriel, isn't he? Yeah. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will never take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. 
Many of the people of Israel will he, bring, he will, will he bring back to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well on in years. The angel answered, come Phil. I am Gabriel. There you go. <laughs> I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words which will come true at their proper time. Meanwhile, the people were wondering, waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. And when his time of service was completed, he returned home. And after this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace from among the people. It's a great story, isn't it? Let's read the next bit. It's good, this. It's like practice for next week for the carol service. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob, and his kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she was said to be barren, is in her six months, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Jesus and the story of his birth and the announcement, the words of God Who'd have believed it that this elderly couple, well along in years, would such have, a, have such a significant role in the greatest visitation on earth? The angel, Gabriel, appears. It's full of, full of dramatic Dramatic moments in the temple with the awesome 
angelic Gabriel standing before him. And Zechariah, afraid, don't be afraid, announced that he and his wife, long expected, hoped for, dashed, dashed hopes of a child and a family, now it was to be true. Elizabeth and Zechariah would have a special son given to them in old age. And Zechariah, in the place where God had promised to dwell in the temple, stutters and falters and doubts. It just wasn't possible for an old woman to have a child. So Zechariah asks for a sign, and that's the mistake. Struck mute until the birth of his son, John the Baptist, the forerunner, the herald, the preparer of the way for the long-expected Messiah. In the story that we're, we're painted, there's, there's this beautiful kind of balance between those who understand and see and believe and those for whom the Christmas story just doesn't fit in their box. See, Zechariah was a godly man of the priestly tribe, and he was cast by Lord in that amazing, amazing day. But Zechariah becomes unwittingly a symbol of the religious leader's response at that time to the Messiah. That they too, all those in Jerusalem, all those from the academia, all those who'd learned their scriptures, all those who thought they knew the way it was, would be dumbfounded, just like Zechariah, and filled with unbelief, even in the face and the presence of overwhelming supernatural evidence. That this little snapshot, right at the beginning of this new thing God was doing, kind of symbolizes all that would happen through the story as Jesus grew and served and worked, and people were dumbstruck. And people said, no. It's just not possible. And yet, the old woman conceived. And the story goes on to talk about a teenager, Mary, who would conceive without a man's help. Gabriel's next message, his next mission, this wonderful conception and sometimes we get stuck on that and we get into all those debates of was she a virgin and is that word translated properly in the reference in Isaiah? Is it, has it been mistaken and mistook? And those are kind of important and actually I do believe that Mary was a virgin. She wasn't yet married. But we so get stuck on that issue that we fail to see the true astonishing, shocking truth that a human womb was about to become the first home on earth for the Savior of the world. All the fullness of God, as we worshipped and thought about in the start of our service, compressed into the womb of a teenager. 
That's the miracle. That's the surprise. That's the awesome truth of Christmas. Would you ever believe that God could stoop so low? And yet Mary believed God, for nothing is impossible with him. And you know, just as Zechariah kind of characterized those who doubted, that begins to characterize those who believe. For nothing is impossible with God. The disciples began to see it and began to be amazed and astonished. And they were terrified at times of saying, what is this Jesus doing? The dead come out of their tombs and the blind see and the lame jump. And the deaf hear, and they're astonished when Jesus is raised. And it becomes the motto for Jesus' ministry and the motto for the New Testament church. Nothing is impossible for God. Do you know, as I was thinking about this passage in the, um, the run-up to today, I was struck by Mary. Again, I was, I was just amazed. She's there, she's unmarried, she's excited probably. She's, you know, she's got a fiance, that things have been arranged. Joseph is, a, is there's gonna be a marriage. And God comes and the angel says to her, you're blessed, Mary. You're highly favored. The Lord is with you. And into, into Mary's life came this announcement. Into Mary's life came a baby. And as I was thinking about this context of just how amazing that miracle is, I was reminded of again how just astonishing God is. And I just want to remind us, myself, us as a church, and if you're a teenager here amongst you, amongst us, God works out the most amazing, amazing Rescue plan in the world through a teenager. Just stop and think about it. You know what you like, don't you? I'm not going to label you and characterize you too much because it wouldn't be true for all you dear teenagers here tonight. But the emphasis of the church and the emphasis of the world so much is, well, you know, you've got so much potential, haven't you? But you've got to wait till you get your A-levels or your GCSEs. And then you've got to wait till you get your degree. And then you've got to wait till you've had a bit of a training course. And you've got to learn and you've got to grow and you've got to see how the world is. And then, and then you can serve. Not so. And simply Mary who accepted the word of God and said, let it be. As the Lord wishes. And the most astonishing thing happened. Of how often our world and how often still our church models the world. That says, well, teenagers, you're not quite ready. Mary was ready. And the world changed. One of the most fundamental things that the New Testament teaches and that the Christmas story teaches is Jesus is only found by divine revelation. In this, in this year when millions of Christmas cards are posted and there's all that kind of, you know, Jesus singing in the shops because there's Hark the Herald Angels sing, 
and, and it's just kind of everywhere. Actually, it's not, it's not that we discover Jesus in our own right. It's that God lets us find Jesus by divine revelation. Look at how often in the story, no one finds their way to Jesus without the leading of the Holy Spirit. No one discovers Jesus without direct revelation from God. Zachariah knew because the angel Gabriel told him. Mary knew she would conceive because Gabriel told her. Elizabeth, she was filled with the Holy Spirit. We didn't read that, but it's in the story in Luke chapter 1. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit in order to recognize Mary was carrying the Lord God. Joseph was told in a dream that he should marry Mary or else he was going to divorce her on the quiet. The shepherds found their way to the child through the angelic announcement. The magi, those wise men, were guided by the star that was unusual. And Simeon and Anna, on eight days after Jesus' birth, were moved by the Holy Spirit to recognize and speak prophetically about his mission and work. We only find Jesus by divine revelation. Noticeably absent in the story of Jesus and his birth are the knowledgeable, those from the establishment, those from the Bible schools and colleges. They never made it to the manger. You see, God is setting the pattern. No one would ever find their way to Jesus without direct and supernatural revelation. The religious scholarship and the human intelligence and the political powers and those with social influence, it's insufficient. The Spirit leads us to him. Remember to ask, Lord God, send your spirit, lead me to Jesus. If you're thinking about faith and thinking, well, shall we or shall, shall I or shan't I? God, may he grant you revelation as you seek him. The second the second simple thing, but most profound, is the humility of God. How utterly humble God is. Isaiah 57, verse 15, For this is what the high and lofty one says. He who lives forever, whose name is holy, says this, I live in a high and holy place, but also with him who is contrite and lowly in spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and revive the heart of the contrite. How utterly amazing is this God that made this, that, oh, wow, God, indescribable, and yet is conceived into a womb, his first home, into a manger, his second home. Not the twee and the kind of artificial and the, and the surrounded by nice clean animals that the Christmas cards show, but damp and cramped and with odor. That the light of the world entered Bethlehem in a dark night, 
that the word of God became a speechless infant, the one was, who was destined to clothe a heavenly army in clean and white linen was wrapped in coarse strips of cloth, that the bread of life himself was laid in a feeding trough of an animal. No one expected God to be like this. So most don't accept it. I was talking to a friend and he was just explaining, uh, he was reflecting on this about our perceptions and our conceptions and how difficult it is to, to kind of have our mindset change because we know the way things work. And the illustration goes like this. Imagine you're, you're, you're in the church. It's not hard to imagine, is it? You're here in the church. And at the end of the service, you go outside, and there's a man outside with his wonderful, top-of-the-range Porsche. The men in the room would go, oh, that would be nice. The, you know, and he's holding up a, a card. And on it, it says, buy this Porsche for a hundred pounds. What do you do? Immediately, I would hazard, hazard to say, you would think, that's a scam, isn't it? It's probably stolen, he's just making a quick buck. No way can that be true. Too good to be true, you know that adage, if it seems too good to be true, it probably isn't. And we're so conditioned, we so have that mindset that I would hasten to add, you would glance at it, but you would walk away. Now the preconception, the framework, the thinking says, it doesn't happen like this. But the truth is, it could just be true. That for whatever reason, the man could be selling the Porsche for 50 pounds. And by passing on by, you, could, you would be missing the bargain, the sale, the, the most wonderful kind of opportunity to buy one of those cars. But because of your mindset and your framework and your thinking, you just think, no. How often our preconception will prejudge us and filter out and blind us and blank us and say, it's just not true. God can't be born as a tiny squawking baby. No one ever imagined that the creator of the universe would stoop so low and become so humble. You see, God's humility is a great blessing, enormous blessing to us, and it's a great problem. You see, the great blessing in Jesus coming as one of us is that God's humility leads him into fellowship with people as low as we are. The God isn't sort of tucked behind a high altar in some kind of great Gothic cathedral that's shielded from the general public and you, know, you have to kind of get in and pay the fee to get in and he's somewhere distant and we'll never, ever reach him. He humbles himself and becomes one of us. And as such, he's so close. But the problem of that great humility is that his coming to us in ways so, so humble 
make it so easy for us to reject him and discount him. Born in a stable? Don't be ridiculous. Born of Mary when this questionable, is she an illegitimate child? This hanging over him forever? Surely not. This can't be God. Such humility. His first trip to the temple is this tiny eight-day-old baby. All the worshippers going in and out, in and out, in and out that day, intent on meeting with God, only to recognize God was there. Old Simeon and Anna. The humility of God still challenges us today. It's not just that these are nice Christmas stories for us at Christmas time to ponder over whilst mulling wine and eating mince pies. But this is the way of God. This is the way he relates to creation. His highest purpose birthed in a stable. The God hear this, God chooses the weak and the foolish and the small and the insignificant in the world. God is so humble that he doesn't mind the shame of a stable or the stigma of illegitimacy. Isaiah 66 too. Has not my hand made all these things and they came into being, declares the Lord? This is the one I esteem. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my words. Psalm 138 verse 6. Though the Lord is on high, he looks down upon the lowly and the proud he knows from afar. And that theme brought in the New Testament. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. You see, brothers and sisters, at Christmas time, the humble will share in the shame of the stable, but the proud don't even come near it. The Magi, whether they're kings or wise men, traveled across the deserts because they were humble and said, We worship the king. The shepherds on their hillside, privileged with the angelic visitation, hurried to Jesus. But the great and the good slept in their beds in Herod in Jerusalem. And so many still today says, we don't need this. The proud won't even come near. But you know what? The humble hear the voice of God. And God comes. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's stand together. Nothing is impossible with God. Let's, uh, let's use the song, I believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus.
That's a, a sort of song that echoes Mary's, so shall it be. Saying, God, you came in Jesus. I believe in him. We affirm our faith. If you, you're searching for faith, that's the start point. I simply ask God that you would reveal Jesus to those who don't yet know you. And in this singing of this song, simple declaration of faith. May faith be born in us. And this song speaks of, I believe he's here now, standing in our midst with the grace to forgive. You know, so often I've come across people who say, God can't forgive me, that's pride. Who are we to say who God can forgive and who can't? He said, I forgive you. It says, Jesus died on the cross once for all sin, for all people. It talks about God who heals. So often we're proud and think, well, he's not going to do it for me. I've asked before. I can't pretend to understand everything of God, but you know, Zechariah and Elizabeth had asked and asked and asked and asked and asked and asked and the years had gone by for a child. But they didn't stop asking. And one day an angel appeared, great Gabriel. Prayer's been heard. 